Welcome back to the MCU Exchange Podcast. Uh, it's been a little while. Last week was a little unusual. Uh, I was traveling, so we had a pre-recorded kind of mini episode getting you ready for um, Iron Fist. But we are back now on our typical schedule, and we're excited to be with you guys. So, uh, Adam, Rhiannon, did you guys do anything special on your week off from podcasting? Oh, yeah. I, um, I went to bed at like 7 o'clock. So that I could wake up at 3 a.m. Oh, yeah, because it was the night of Iron Fist, right? Right. Yeah. Right. And that's my special skill, being able to go to bed at an abnormally early hour and wake up at 3 a.m. I can wake up at 3 a.m. I cannot stay up till 3 a.m. Ooh, that's interesting. It's like a, an odd superpower. How yeah. about you, Adam? Did you do anything special with your time off last Thursday? <sighs> I did not. I just celebrated that we finally got the award we deserve. I see. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) We'll have to get back to our segment of talking about Ward because that could be (laughs) a weekly thing. So. All right. All MCU shows uh, now need a ward. Sorry. Oh, no, you're fine. Yeah. Every MCU property has to have a ward of some kind. So we'll, we'll scan through like the, uh, you know, like all the grips and the keys and all that kind of stuff and the uh, the um, credits at the end of the movies to make sure we find awards somewhere in those movies. So Nice. Yes. All right, so we're going to talk a little bit about news. I don't feel like there's a ton of stuff going on right now. There's a lot of stuff filming, and I feel like we're not hearing too much about it. Uh, Infinity War is underway in Edinburgh. And uh, we've seen some shots. It looks like we've seen Vision and Black Widow. And uh, we've heard that Tony Stark is supposed to be showing up in Scotland as well. And it seems like maybe we're getting scenes where uh, the existent uh, bunch is um, kind of going about. And, the existent bunch, meaning the Avengers who, are, who have signed on to the Accords, are kind of going around and trying to find people like... Black Widow or Scarlet Witch and trying to bring them back into the fold. Um, do you guys feel like that is uh, is going to be interesting? Like rebuilding the team? Is that something you want to see to kind of prove that the Accords did have some fallout and that Civil War has fallout? Or is that just kind of, I don't know, tedious to have to bring the team back together uh, before you get to see them actually go after Thanos? I like to see things coming together. So, I I mean, I would expect it. I would be really mad if we went into this and the Avengers were suddenly back together and they just, like, offhandedly was like, aren't you glad I came and found you? Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, I think we got to see them coming back together. I mean, I would guess the uh, whole Thanos coming to Earth and killing everyone's probably something Congress would call on the Avengers for, but... Who knows what the current state we're in, I guess. Yeah. I think I'll I'll enjoy it regardless. I mean, I think... Uh, I always think of the Muppet movie, the Jason Siegel one, where they decide to bring the Muppets back together, and, and Kermit just like looks at the camera and is like, now it's time for a musical montage where we get the crew back together. Because that's like... You know, it's just like very over-the-top obvious that that was going to happen. And uh, that's okay. Like, I think that's kind of fun usually to see them go and do the recruiting trip and all that kind of stuff. Um, also, I think Marvel movies just love their villains or their heroes fighting with each other. You know, I mean, whether it's Civil War or the beginning of Avengers, 
it seems like, or Hulk going crazy in Ultron. They just have to have that hero-on-hero violence to really truly be a Marvel movie. And so I expect this one to start with some of that kind of stuff. So If it starts with a musical montage, that would be awesome. Only if they're singing. What song would you choose? Oh, man. Well, one of the things I really, one of the, like, leading up to Civil War, somebody did a supercut to Bad Love. Um, or Bad Blood, sorry. Oh, like, okay. Um, now we got Bad Blood. Yeah, Taylor da, Swift, da, da, right? Da, da, da. Yeah, yeah. And that was really cool, but I don't know if that would still apply. Yeah. As long as it's not... Um, so, you know, just because I like throwing shade on DC, that Suicide <laughs> Squad, like, opening 30 minutes where it was just, like, obvious so- song choice after obvious song choice, you know, where they, like, went through, like, all of these songs that were so on the nose, like House of the Rising Sun and all kinds of stuff like that. Let's just please avoid that. You know, nobody likes it when the musical choices are so obvious. This is why people love Guardians is because you can't really see James Gunn's song choices ahead of time he like picks relatively obscure things instead of the stuff that you hear at you know every gas station in america so true true uh we also are seeing a little bit about the defenders we got the um john cuseda uh image for defenders and rhiannon have you figured out what did i say you said John Quesada. I don't know who you said. Oh, okay. It's Joe. Joe. Quisada. Yeah, that's one of those words I've never, like, Kun Lun. That's one of those words I have literally never said out loud because I've never had, like, reason to bring it up in conversation. So I don't know how to pronounce <laughs> his last name. But, oh, I uh, thought you meant Joe. Yeah, I am talking about Joe. Oh, oh no, yeah. I've said Joe out loud. Yes, but Joe, <laughs> uh, how is it? Quesada? Is that how do you say it? Yeah, Quesada. Quesada. Okay. Joe Quesada. Uh, if you don't know, he's done like artwork for almost every Netflix show uh, ahead of time is like promotional. And we have artwork now for Defenders. And there's the four Defenders kind of heavily shaded in their given colors. Matt's in red, Luke's in yellow, Jessica's in purple, Danny's in green. And then we have Sigourney Weaver. And then there's a another face who seems to be a villain by the way she's positioned and colored. Um, do you know who that is, Rhiannon? Is that are we thinking that's Electra, or is that maybe somebody else? I think we're thinking it's Electra. Um, I mean, it wouldn't make any sense. There, there was some other spoilers that leaked out this week that it was like, is that Electra or is that Colleen in a completely different situation? Um, but I think that's Electra in the poster. Yeah, it just doesn't look terribly like Elodie Young to me, but. Yeah, I mean, it could be somebody that we don't know altogether, but there are so many characters in this and we know Elodie is one of them. Um, and, and I just, I. I don't know why they would put somebody we hadn't heard of on the poster yet. Yeah. If that is even the official, I mean, I'm assuming that's going to be like an official poster. You know, we saw, it wasn't that this poster was released. It was that it was in a picture from the rap party. Oh, um, okay. Yeah. 
it was there was a picture of like the cake from the wrap party in this poster behind it. So And we know it was done know, by Joe because it's got his signature on it, I take it. I think it's just that it looks like the other Joe Quesada posters that he's okay. done. Because he's done the posters for all the series and this one looks like the exact same style. It looks like his art. Right. There so, is a big signature in the bottom right hand corner which Oh, okay. I'm assuming that, is his, I mean, I don't know what his signature looks like, but I would assume someone would have screamed at us in the comments of like, Hey dude, look at the yeah. signature. If it wasn't that. So, yeah. Well, and if Charles, cause Charles wrote that article, I believe if he said it was Joe, then it's Joe. Yeah. So, so we have this, but we have no release date yet for defenders, which is getting really, really old. Is it not? I don't know if not having a release date is getting old or Rhiannon putting it in everywhere. If you follow me on Twitter, I'm sorry, but I am going to complain about the lack of a release date until we have a release date. Um, I probably mumble it on my breath as I walk down the street. Like, why don't we have a Defenders release date? Well, um, for me, I've been thinking about doing like... Like going back and watching all like 65 episodes of Netflix Marvel stuff, like leading up to it, you know, like going back and doing both seasons of Daredevil and Jessica and Luke and Iron Fist, like doing them all in the lead up to the show. But I'm going to, they're going to need to spot me at least 10 weeks to do that. You know, like I can't watch 65 episodes in a month. And so I kind of want a date so I can do that, you know? I want to date. My mom wants to book a cruise for this summer. And like hell if I'm going to be out in the middle of the Pacific on the day that the Defenders drops. I think there's some people that may suggest this is unhealthy, Rhiannon, to uh, <laughs> to be planning your life around these things. I mean, I, I don't know. Adam, are you planning vacation around uh, the Defenders release date? <laughs> I am not, no. Oh, you're well, not? Come I'm on, not, you guys. No. Oh, no. Like, I have a party planned. Like, on the cruise or for the defenders? For the defenders. Where are you going on the cruise? I don't know. Depends on when the defender know. Um, uh, we're looking at an Alaska cruise, which we've done before, and it was wonderful. And like, really, for the time frame, it's it's the only thing you can do because I won't go anywhere near, um. The Carib- well, I won't go anywhere near where a hurricane could hit during hurricane season in a giant boat. Occupational uh, hazard, sense. right? <laughs> yeah. It's my other superpower is I make hurricanes appear and hit. Uh, Incredibly fast, uh, what do you call it, response time. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. I have no idea what you're talking about. I work for FEMA. <laughs> so, yeah, I just... I don't know. What what are they doing? Like, here's the thing that's really frustrating about this is I don't think these shows have to come out so slow. Iron Fist wrapped filming like last August or something, didn't it? Last October. Okay. But still, I mean, I don't know. It seemed like that show could have come out a month or two earlier and The Defenders is done now. I don't know how much VFX there is, but I don't know. It just seems like... It seems like they care more about keeping a certain schedule than like getting out as quickly as possible. And I guess that makes sense. Um, I just, as a fan, it's like, let's go, let's get this thing moving. 
And I mean, you can't imagine the Avengers happening without a couple year lead up and knowing when it's going to come out. And so the fact that this is so big and we don't know, you know, four months ahead that it's going to come out, at least we hope it's four months ahead. If it's still six months away, there's going to be people with pitchforks at Netflix's offices, you know, (laughs) like, come on, let's go. Yeah. Well, and all the other series, they announced the premiere of the next series at or around the premiere of the series before it. Right. So, you know, like Luke Cage, Mike Coulter announced it at the um, Daredevil. I guess it was Daredevil season two on the red carpet. He announced it. The Iron Fist red carpet got delayed a day because of snowpocalypse in the area. Right. Um, which also meant the fan event was completely canceled and I didn't get to go. That sucks. I'm sorry. (laughs) I know. Like they canceled my invitation and then we didn't get snow where I am. But anyways, um, the, the, the iron fist premiere date was announced the weekend after Luke Cage came out early in the morning, like some weird, they just like dropped it on, twitter at like 5 a.m so we're still in that time frame though i mean if it's if we get it like tomorrow or saturday or whatever i wouldn't think they'd be on saturday but let's hope i would love for it to drop before this podcast yes we hope we want to be out of out of date we hope that you're listening to this and going come on idiots we know the date now yeah yeah and i'm booking my cruise (laughs) Uh, we're also getting a lot of guardians of the galaxy stuff Uh, it's mostly promotional uh, TV spots are starting to hit, so if you like seeing a third of the movie before it comes out, uh, go ahead and see those. I know I avoid them like the plague myself, but that stuff's coming. And today we got a series of really cool character posters. Um, they've got one for Aisha, Rocket, Ego, Gamora, Nebula, Yondu, Mantis, Baby Groot. I saw a Star-Lord one a little bit uh, lately on... Um, uh, Chris Pratt's uh, Facebook profile. Um, these look really good, don't they, guys? Like, kind of makes me want to go collect them all. And it also makes me realize how big this cast has gotten. That it's kind of gone from, like, five people to, like, 12 people in this movie. You know? It really does. I felt like I was scrolling forever when they first came out. But I think the I think the posters are awesome. I thought that uh, same exact thing. I saw the... Uh... Guardians account posted it on Facebook and then in the albums it'll show like three of them then it says plus whatever and it's like plus 10 I'm like there's not even that many characters in Guardians and then lo and behold there is they have posters for everyone besides uh, Sylvester Stallone as Nova and Adam Warlock so just waiting on those two yeah, so let's talk about that um, we found out that Sylvester Stallone we knew he was going to be in the movie but uh, James Gunn said that he's going to be a significant Marvel character. I forget the exact language. And that Michael Rosenbaum is or Rosenbaum is going to be uh, in the movie as well. Uh, who, if you don't know, he's the one who played Lex Luthor in the um, Smallville TV show. Um, do you like... Do you like those additions? And do you guys have any thoughts about who those people are going to be? I did see earlier this week, someone said that Rosenbaum should be uh, Silver Surfer because he's bald. 
And he's only bald in Smallville because he shaves his head. He's not naturally bald, but good try, Internet. Yeah. Um, I'm actually trying to find I I was reading somewhere where they said uh, Sly's outfit looked a lot like Judge Dredd. So, I mean, that's that's got to be a member of the Nova Corps, one would think, if not the Nova Gasp. Uh, Rich Rider, but um, yeah, that nah. was the initial when he was first spotted on set before it was even confirmed. People were saying yeah. it looked like Judge Dredd. So who knows? I don't know. Uh, I mean, he could be an elder. You know, uh, it looks like they're uh, pulling all the uh, big guns out for the uh, the elders. Um, with uh, Kurt's not a. Uh, an elder, but uh, there's some theories out on that too. So I, I mean, I really have no idea. I mean, there's the whole Galactus and, and Silver Surfer thing, which is kind of ridiculous. But I wouldn't mind seeing that. I can, I can totally see uh, Sly playing uh, Galactus. That'd be cool. Yeah, I was thinking. Um, so I know we think that Peter Dinklage is going to be Pip the Troll potentially, but um, and this might be out there, but. Could you see Rosenbaum being Adam Warlock, and then self, um, and then Sly is, is like a version of Pip the Troll. Like he's just like this really old, grumbly, gruff, guy. Like I think that could actually be really, I don't know. For some reason, like Rocky as Pip the Troll sounds interesting to me, and like the kind <laughs> like of weird that. thing that James Gunn would do. Um, yeah. And so that could be that could be really cool. I still, you know, I'm still harboring hope that we're getting Adam Warlock in this movie, um, and they're just hiding it from us. So uh, I, that would be my favorite. I'd love that if that happened, but we'll see how that goes. That'd be uh, that'd be really cool. And Pip, I think Pip always has like some sort of stogie or, or cigar in his mouth. So that's kind of Stallone-esque. That's that's a pretty interesting thing. Yeah, I can see it. That's a cool idea. Yeah, and, you know, like, Stallone's at the age. For me, Pip is always one of those characters that just doesn't take any crap from anybody. And Stallone is, like, at that point in his life where he can just be an old grumpy man that does whatever he wants to do and people just have to accept it because, you know, he's a movie star and he's in his 60s or whatever. And so just him being, like, totally not impressed with the rest of the world I think he could play that pretty well, so I think it'd be cool. Um, uh, only other news thing, Chris Evans uh, continues to yo-yo back and forth. I mean, we hear stories that he's done with Captain America. We hear stories that he wants to do more Captain America. Um, I mean, I don't know. If the guy wants to quit, that's fine. He's done it a long time. If he wants to stay, I'd love to have him. Do you guys have any deep desires for him to either stay or leave uh, after we see Avengers 4? Well, I don't think it's that he's yo-yoing. I think it's just sort of like he mentioned that his contract is up and assumed he was done. Right. And then, you know, went back and was like, no, no, no. You know, the money's good. Um, Which he didn't say the money's good, but. I'm sure it is. um, (laughs) The only person that has ever said stuff like that in an interview that I've heard is Eldon Henson from Daredevil. But anyways, um. But I will watch Chris Evans as Captain America anytime his face is on the screen. Absolutely, yeah. 
that's where I'm too much of a fan to be like, it should happen. It shouldn't happen. I want to see Chris. Yeah, absolutely. Either him or Iron Man have to die. I think someone huge has to die in Infinity War. Yeah, I agree Don't with you? that. I mean, because I mean, that's the thing. If, if we're talking about 10 years worth of movies building up and Thanos coming and Hawkeye dies, I mean, that's kind of a lackluster uh, thing. I mean, I think it kind of is a, a natural ending with his contract up and things like that. But I mean, I don't want him to die, but I, I'm talking about Cap too, not Chris Evans, by the way. <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> Chris Evans, we would like you to lo- live a long time, my friend, no matter what you do in the movies. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I don't want either of them to die, but I agree with you. I, I And perhaps this was a slip-up by Evans that that he's having to correct. Yeah. He could already be done filming. Who knows? It's so... True. It's so hard. Like, I can't imagine for these guys how hard it is to not say something. Like, um, I was gone last week because we went to Disney World with our kids. And we don't tell them ahead of time because we'll spend a month hearing, is it is it tomorrow? Is it tomorrow? Is it tomorrow? You know, like, our kids don't have a sense of time. And so we try not to tell them they're going on vacation. And... It's so hard to be around my kids and not to slip that we're going on the trip just in casual conversation. I cannot imagine what it's like for these actors to not say stuff. Like we saw a clip recently with um, um, with Pena from Ant-Man who was talking, you know, with Dax Shepard during their um, like promotional stuff for Chips. And he almost dropped some like plot details about his character in Ant-Man and he like caught himself. He's like, "Oh man, I almost got in trouble," you know. Like, I just can't imagine how it is to try to keep those things secret when they know what's happening. You know. I couldn't even keep like episode ten of Iron Fist a secret from my friends. Like, <laughs> I, this is probably why I don't work for Marvel. I mean, other than the fact I've never applied or you know, I don't have any skills they're actually looking for. But I think I'm disqualified from the start. <laughs> Yeah, that's the problem. They've looked at your resume and they just said, you know, she can't keep a secret. So we got, I should we probably take that off my LinkedIn page. No. <laughs> oh, that's funny. All right. I think that's uh, probably enough news for now. Let's go ahead and talk about our main conversation today, which is going to be Iron Fist. Um, this is really the first movie or Netflix show that's come out since the three of us have been back on the podcast. And so... We're still trying to figure out how we want to review this stuff. We definitely do not want to, um, we don't want to bore you guys by recapping a TV show that most of you have already watched. So uh, what we're going to do is we're going to start uh, by talking about the show very generally. And this, uh, this beginning section is going to be non-spoiler. So to the best of our abilities, we will not talk about major plot developments. We'll talk very generally about the show. And then at some point, I will give you the warning that, hey, this is going to be spoilers. And then we'll jump into those spoilers. Uh, all of this will also be time, stamp, time stamped um, wherever you find it, whether you listen on SoundCloud or you listen on the website. I think it even goes through to iTunes where I'll just list all the times that we talk about stuff. And you'll know from the, you know, whatever, 
45th minute to the 55th minute, we're talking spoilers. So we'll try to make sure that's that way for those of you who have not gotten through all 13 episodes yet. Uh, so let's let's start really generally, guys. Uh, I have two yes or no questions to start with. First, did you like it? Yes. Yes. Did you love it? Yes. Wow. I don't think I would say yes on love it, but you guys both liked it a lot, it sounds like. Yes. Okay, so um, let's do this the like most confrontational way possible. What did the critics get wrong? Like, what about it was good to you that you had heard and you know in reviews it was going to be bad? And like, why do you? What do you think the reviewers obviously missed? If it has like a fifteen percent on Rotten Tomatoes and you both loved it, what do you feel like um, was missed by the reviewers in a non-spoiler way? Well, I avoided. Once the I read like one of the negative reviews, and then I just stopped listening to it. I I didn't read any after that because they just made me angry, and I wanted to go into this really excited. But the one I I, I find when it was over, I dipped into one, and a lot of, I I think I was just looking for completely different things. I loved the plot, the stories. The way it moved, the the pieces, where all of the beats hit, it felt like it was pretty well paced. I mean, there are arguments to be made with the pacing and all that. And meanwhile, the reviewers were say were seemed to be looking at their complaints seemed to be focused around a lot of the acting and it feeling stiff. And the fight scenes, there was so much critique of the fight scenes not being any good. And I don't know, maybe I just don't care. I enjoyed it. I don't care if other people didn't enjoy it. Yeah, I mean, the the bit, yeah, I mean, the, the pacing, I don't think the pacing was any slower than anything we've seen on Netflix. Like I've seen before, I mean, I was engaged throughout the whole season. I mean, I, yeah, there was... There were some points where it dragged the. It was there were two times I think later on in the season where I actually uh, looked down at my phone and in a passing moment or something, you know. But I don't think I don't think the pacing was too bad. Nowhere near eighteen percent on Rotten Tomatoes, you know. I mean, I think the the difference in in the reviews and the audience score um, explains a lot, you know. I I didn't think the pacing was bad. Uh, like Rhiannon said, the the actors, the cast, that was that was another thing. I don't think anything was bad. I mean, I've seen um, worse uh, roles um, in other Netflix shows. You know, the Summon at Luke Cage. Even um, I, I didn't think it was bad. Personally, it is my. Uh, Separating out all the seasons, I would rank Iron Fist probably my second favorite in the whole thing of the Netflix universe. I just I enjoyed it, you know. It it kept me engaged. I didn't think the fights were bad. There was so much finesse, and you know there was a pretty poor editing in, in a lot of the fight scenes. But you know, I I really liked the. I don't want to say. I was going to say I really like the take on Danny Rand, but I know that'll get a lot of fire and hate. But I, I don't think it was a bad uh, portrayal uh, by Finn Jones by any means. Yeah, so 
what I disagreed greatly with the critics is people that talked about it just being boring early on. Um, I didn't see it that way. I thought, I think the, uh, the early stuff on the Meachums I thought was really good. Uh, I won't get into spoilers, but I don't like the Meachums as much at the end, but the early stuff with them and the backstory with Ward and Joy and, and Danny and how they grew up and how that relationship has kind of changed through the years. I liked that stuff. I liked the character work. I mean, I agree that it's not all action all the time in the first couple of episodes, but that, I don't know, that's okay. I'm not eight, you know? Like, I enjoy, like, some well, well-crafted well character development. And I really did, uh, I liked Danny as a character in the first few episodes. Now, we're going to get into some more conversation where it didn't necessarily last for me, but, like, I didn't think it was boring. Um, what I get from the critics is... I do think that the mythology is all over the shop. And when my reviews for episodes 10 through 13 come out, they're going to feel kind of negative. Some of it is, I don't, I don't know how to say glowing things as well as I know how to say critical things in a review, but it just, it felt like they never really figured out how his powers worked or why they worked or when they worked. And that all just, after a while it got really, a bit exhausting for me of like, please sit down and figure this stuff out. So that's the part I didn't like. And that's why I don't love the show is I just feel like it was a little half baked on some of the concepts. Uh, you started to talk about this, Adam. So Finn Jones, did you guys generally like him in the role? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's, I, I I'm okay with him in the role. I could see, other, I had problems with the mop of curly hair. I did Just too. Something about it was really, really distracting to me. But as far as his acting, yeah, sure. I, I He's fine. So here's my take on it, and you guys can feel free to disagree with me. I think the reason he was cast is he does the earnest like kind, nice Danny stuff really well. In the first couple of episodes, he's sort of this fish out of water that's coming back to modern society. And he's just really sweet and kind and lacking in sort of cynicism to the point of naivete, but still like, you know, he's a nice guy. And like the stuff where he interacts with a homeless guy, like I thought that was great. I liked the way it developed the character and I liked how his innocence was contrasted so strongly with the sort of um, cynical nature of the Meachams. Like I thought that was all very good. And I think it makes sense that you have a character who lived a sheltered life until 10 and then has lived in kind of this weird place that he would come back as sort of this, um, you know, just as sort of this naive guy. I think that makes sense. And I liked Finn Jones in that role as the show goes on we then get like tantrum Danny where like that immaturity comes out and an inability to deal with his anger. And then he gets really pouty and I'm sorry, but Finn Jones angry face just looks like constipation face. Like, I don't know. There's just something <laughs> about when he was like, I'm really angry at the world and they're so mean to me where I just wanted, you know, somebody to chop his head off. Like he just drove me crazy. And so, 
Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I just didn't feel like Jones had a lot of, um, had a lot of range. And the problem is he doesn't have a lot of charm to me either. Like, I don't think Mike Coulter is a particularly great actor, if I'm being honest. I mean, I like Yeah, Luke that's Cage. what I was referencing. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think he's very good as an actor, except for all Coulter has to do is turn on that smile and kind of get into his swagger. And you're just so charmed by him, you don't care that he can't act. But Jones, to me, doesn't have that. You know, like, he just... Um, I don't know, I just don't, I don't like him that much. But So, I, well, I, I don't know. We, we said on the earlier podcast that when we talked about his casting, that if we thought he was bad, we would say so. And I'm saying now, yes, I think he was bad. Like, I, I, I think there's a fair criticism that they may have turned their backs on some better actors for him for whatever reason. I think, yeah, I mean, I think there could have been a better Iron Fist. Yes. But he is the Iron Fist, and I will accept him as Iron Fist. I think, and this is very unpopular opinion, I think we could have a better Jessica Jones. There are many things about Kristen Ritter that just do not say Jessica Jones to me. But she is our Jessica Jones now. So I just, you know, like, this is the iteration that we're getting in live action. And Coulter's acting doesn't bother me as much as it seems everybody else. Charlie Cox there's a person that they cast that looks nothing. I mean, he really looks nothing like the character in the comics yet somehow through his acting made you completely forget that. Yeah. And he managed, you know, he succeeded. Um, but I think all of the others, you know, there is a little bit of, you know, to me, and, and that's where I like Coulter, but, um, Kristen Ritter and Finn both to me just they're a little bit off they're not, you know, Ritter I wish was a little bit they had cast somebody a little bit I don't know how to say this but uglier or more haggard sort of older looking more weathered just a little bit right to be to be Jessica that's gone through all she's gone through I and think some Finn, of that could and, just be age too like Ritter just looks young to me so, like, how much yeah. stuff can you have gone through if you're that young? <laughs> yeah. And and she's a waif. I mean, which all actresses in general, but, like, she's just so tiny, which Jones isn't a big character either. But it's more the weathered. Like, she just, yeah, she's too perfect. Um, and, and I just, yeah, they could have had a better Danny Rand. But he is my Danny Rand now. So that's my way of fulfilling what we said in the last podcast, but still being positive. <laughs> yeah. What did you guys think generally about the rest of the cast? Uh, who did you like? Who did you not like? Again, we're trying to not be super spoilery, but you know, just whose performances did you like throughout the show? I, all of the Meachams I thought were horrible actors, robotic. Get out of here. I did. Well, I mean, so this is the thing. Like, I was not in love with any of those actors, but I still managed to love them and care for them. I mean, I don't know how I managed to care for the Meachams as much as I did. There was a point like three or four episodes in where it just in my head, I was like, there's no way. I mean, and there's no way that all of these characters survived the show just, you know, because they're, 
possibly the antagonists. They're, you know, it's, it's, there's no way all three of these people survive the show, and I don't want to see any of them die. Right. Um. So, I mean, I didn't love a lot of the casting. I mean, the casting in the second half of the show, I did enjoy. Yes. And I flat out turned gay for Rosario Dawson. <laughs> like like i do pretty much every time she comes on screen but she 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 just continues to be the queen so adam before i tell rhiannon why she's wrong about the meachums do you want to tell rhiannon why she's wrong about the meachums the the very first thing i was gonna say is all three meachums knocked it out of the park those were probably (laughs) my three favorite characters in the whole series Outside of those three, the next one's probably the spoiler in the second half of the season. Yeah. Um, Danny's friend, I thought he was fantastic, and he's he's going to be great. Um, in Iron Fist season two, which will be coming shortly, uh, but I just love I love the the Meacham. I thought they all did excellent. You know, watching Wards. I don't want to get spoiled. Watch I, his, his decline. Evolution. His evolution. There you yeah. go. His his reverse evolution. I mean, that was. Uh, I thought that was excellent. You know, in the first the first couple of episodes, I'm like, all right, yeah, these these actors are terrible. But once you, I mean, that's where they were in that point in the season. And once the story progressed, I mean, you realize, well, those the acting wasn't bad. That was the story and who they were as characters at that point in the season, you know, but as it, as it went along, I mean, Pelfrey, I thought did a fantastic job. Once the, the, what do you call it? I don't want to call it grease. The gel starts coming out of his hair and he starts. Yeah. That's, yeah. I thought that was actually true. So yes, it's really funny. Cause I kind of agree with both of you. Uh, David Wenham as Harold Meacham. That was a hot mess. Like that was somebody. No, he was trying to pretend to be Jack Nicholson being the Joker. Like he's just so over the top. He didn't bother to have any nuance. I mean, his character's a cartoon. I just could not stand him. And um, I won't get into spoilers, but he was just particularly unstomachable given some of the events that occur. Uh, I thought Joy was fine. Some of her stuff is really good. Some of it not as good. She just suffered from, I don't think they wrote her well all the time. But um, Ward Meacham, uh, Pelfrey, I thought he was awesome. Like, I was just glued to the screen, all of his stuff. And for me, uh, he reminds me a little bit of Wesley from season one of Daredevil. And that he's a character who I don't like and I don't cheer for because of who he is. But at the same hand, I'm desperately sad if he is to die. You know, like I just I don't want this character to go away. Um, He also reminded me a little bit of Kevin Spacey in House of Cards in that same way of like, I shouldn't like this person. I disagree intellectually with everything about this character, but yet I still really care about them and I want them to do well. And like my emotions are at war with my brain on this character. And I just thought Ward was great. So I loved him. Um, Jessica Henwick. I thought she was pretty good. I've heard some people didn't like her so much. What'd you guys think? Eh, solid. 
Yeah, solid. Yeah, she did the job. I I think she did it well. I'm not over the moon because she shared a lot of scenes with Claire and that made it hard. Yeah. But um she did fine. Yeah. I- I think she was not helped. She's another one that wasn't helped by the writing particularly well. Um, I think you could suggest pretty fairly that the writers did not write female characters as well as they wrote male characters on this show. Uh, And that particularly sticks out if you look at, like, say, a Jessica Jones. I mean, I didn't look at the writers if they were male or female or not, but I just feel like the woman characters all seem to kind of struggle with having really mixed motivations and kind of seeming like they couldn't make their minds up. And I just, I didn't think that writing helped them out much. Did you have a thought on that, Rhiannon? Yeah, I mean, now that you pointed out, that does... I mean, because I'm reviewing episodes six through nine, and I found that the, the three that I've finished, like when I got done reviewing, I had absolutely no thoughts on Joy. Like I had completely forgotten whatever had happened in her storyline and i mean like even like one of them i went back and watched a little because i was like what in the world happened with joy and i would forget it just as soon as it happened yeah um yeah and colleen like when i was re-watching there was some point where she she gave her backstory yet somehow i completely forgot it yeah um, so I don't know, you know, and I have no idea. I mean, I hate to sit and like critique on the writers because I have no idea. I, I mean, I've tried a little bit of it myself and it's hard. I know but... I could never come close, but, um, the interesting thing was I'm kind of friends with one of the writers on Iron Fist. Um, it's a woman that did episode eight. And after the series, I've been talking to her a little bit, and it turns out, like, she she kind of felt the same way as we did about Luke Cage and Jessica Jones, or a lot of the complaints I commonly hear. So, like, they're fans, too, and they, they're trying. Um, they have the same frustrations. But, yeah, the female characters... So there was at least one woman on the writing staff, and she right. wrote eight... And she was a co-writer on 13. Um, But, yeah, I don't know. But I didn't have the same complaints about the writing that everybody did. Like, there was one particular line of Colleen's that everybody brings up as being an example of horrible writing. But when I think of Iron Fist comics, I think... I mean, I know there's there's the fighting and the battles and all of this, but I think of cheesy jokes and some cheesy lines and joking about the fist and stuff like that so some of the lines that everybody's been complaining about i didn't mind at times she almost felt a bit forced you know i mean it just i don't know i mean it almost she didn't do bad by any means it just i don't know the the review uh yeah i'm not even going to say but I don't know. I Solid, not good, not bad, you know, that type of deal. Yeah. Well, let's keep moving. Um, you know, we talked a little bit about this, the action. 
did you guys like the action of the show? Um, there's been some complaints about it. Some people seem to like it. Did you feel like the action was pretty good? Yeah, I liked the action. It was just enough for me. Likewise. Yeah, I would have liked to see a little more um, kind of like wire work. There's an episode later in the season where we got a little bit of it where like people are obviously jumping in ways that human bodies don't jump. And it got a little crouching tigerish, And I like that. I wish there had been a little more of that kind of style. Um, I think this show in general might have done better if it was just a little more out there. Uh, and that was kind of my last question for the spoiler-free part, is generally speaking, um, did you like that it was really New York-focused, or do you feel like there should have been uh, less going on in New York? Did you like sort of the corporate intrigue kind of stuff? What was your thoughts about kind of the setting and how grounded they were to New York City? I felt, I I think it was fine. I That's where I say, like, the mix of it all to me felt just right. They didn't try. They didn't try to do too much. You know, it it is what it is, and it's a low budget thirteen series or thirteen episode series, and I feel like they they did a good job of mixing in the corporate drama stuff. You know, obviously a lot of reviewers thought there was way too much of the corporate drama, but I felt that there was just the right amount to give a solid B plot that goes through that mixed in well with the A plot. And then it was okay. Uh, I don't mind all the New York stuff. Um, you know, the whole the whole business thing, it was necessary. I mean, this this guy that everyone thought was dead comes back and... I mean, it's not like he's going to take control of his company overnight. So I, I didn't mind that stuff. Um, I just wish um, the the whole most of the series took place in New York. I just wish a good chunk of it did not. Yeah. If you smell what I'm stepping in. I think <laughs> this is so this is, I think, the biggest reason that this show has struggled with critics is I think that people uh, connected this show to Doctor Strange, and that's because Marvel kind of encouraged us to do so. So they tried to connect it with Doctor Strange, and as we've been building up to it, we've been seeing promotional stuff from Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 and Thor Ragnarok. And we're just in this era of Marvel where they're going full-on weird, full-on mystical talking planets and you know neon glow costumes and all kinds of weird stuff and we had iron fist drop in the middle of that and people were just i think assuming that this was going to be part of that turn and that netflix was going to do the same thing that the movies are doing in pushing the limits of what an audience will accept in the bizarro you know realm and I think there was a lot of expectation that he could be great that way. And then you add on top of that the fact that everyone's favorite Iron Fist story is the Fraction and Brubaker run that's really super mystical and super otherworldly and all that kind of stuff. And I think people thought 
that this was going to be the Iron Fist in Kun Lun fighting Shao Lao, getting his powers show. And that is not what this show is. I don't think that's spoilery at this point. Like, it's just not what this is. It's not been in the trailers yeah. and it's not coming if you haven't seen it. <laughs> and I never expected it. I mean, that's, I, 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 well, like we said before in the, in the, in last week's podcast, I didn't really want a whole bunch of immortal Iron Fist. Yeah. And I think if they had done it, I think they probably would have got better reviews but I think also that the Defenders would have become a Herculean task of making Danny fit with the other three. Like, this would definitely have not fit the set. And so all this corporate intrigue stuff and all the New York stuff was to keep the show tonally in the same ballpark as the three that went before it. And you can say that makes an inferior show, but I think they were definitely trying to keep it in the same world and that was far more important to them than it probably was to a lot of viewers. And I think that's a big issue of what happened here. So, um, all right, we're, we're going to go ahead. We'll talk about spoilery stuff now. Uh, we'll hit episodes, excuse me, one through six on that. Um, so we'll try not to spoil anything past six, but we'll talk about those six. Uh, six is kind of a big episode because uh, it's, so we're, we're, we're in spoilers now. Six is the uh, sort of tournament that Danny fights in that is the most like the Immortal Iron Fist run. Um, you know, first six episodes, guys, I don't have a lot of specific questions here. Uh, going, you know, if you can go into spoilery stuff now, anything you really liked about the first six episodes, anything you didn't like, you know, just any thoughts on it? If I'm going to take up a giant social social justice warrior mantle of something that really upset me in the first or in the whole series, it's the depiction of the mental hospital. If any mentally ill homeless person could get locked up for a week in a mental facility, never mind 15 years we would have so fewer problems in America. And so for them to like portray this place as, I mean, I, I can totally buy Danny Ram being thrown in the facility for indefinite amount of times when the Meachams have unlimited money to throw at it. Right. Yes. But then to create this mental hospital, that's like the most, the most stereotypical of mental hospitals and have you know like homeless guys that have been locked up for 15 years that really bothered me and that actually made me like skeptical like I was like oh my god like beyond the racial issues that everybody's been talking about about this show now they're going to be insensitive to mentally ill and they're going to just like poke all those buttons that they can and they didn't I mean like you know once that was over it, it, yeah, and it's really like kind of one of my soapbox issues because I have a friend that's really big on it. But the so if there's one big thing that I didn't like, it was the mental hospital. And I understand how that episode put a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths just as they started watching. So there, I said something negative. <laughs> Adam, any thoughts about the first six? 
that whole time uh, in the mental hospital, I was just holding my breath to hear like a Mark Spector name drop or something. I'm like, this (laughs) is the perfect opportunity for. Oh my God. Moon Knight Easter eggs, but I don't think we got to like that old. Uh, I'm not even sure if they, uh, he said his name, the guy that was faking a doctor, right? When Danny woke up or whatever. I'm yeah, like, the guy that attacked him with a fork. Yeah, I'm like, that guy <gasps> seems like he'd be like a really good Frenchie type character, you know? That's why I'm like, I didn't pay attention to his name or anything, but that whole time I was hoping they'd page Mark Spector over the intercom or some guy runs by in the nurses or the helpers are chasing him down yelling mark stop or or some silly like that but we didn't get that but i mean it's the perfect tie-in when moon knight comes he's going to be like oh yeah i was at what was it birch mental facility yeah. or whatever. but uh i didn't mind that part uh i see where rihanna's coming from with that that stuff because i think uh in Iowa, they sh- they maybe have one mental health facility in the whole state now. They they shut the rest down for uh, budget cuts and stuff. But that that's kind of a bummer. But I really like the uh, business part of it. Um, I just really liked it. You know, I mean, I think if any of us three were in the same position, Warren Joy was. You know, I think we'd probably make the same decisions they did. You know, I mean, we're talking about uh, the rightful heir to Rand uh, coming back and he owns 51% of the shareholders and and you're trying to do all sorts of business stuff. I mean, he was gone, what, 15 years? You know, you expect him to be dead and now he's showing up, you know. First, I mean, you got to think of the guy's crazy. Like, you know, saying he he's Danny Rand and, and all that stuff. But I... From the get go, I don't, I didn't see any pacing issues or anything like that. You know, I think uh, I really like the first six, but I guess the most exciting stuff did come in the back half with some reveals and such. But yeah, I, I really enjoyed the the first six episodes. The sixth episode, particularly, um, what was it? Uh, I thought it was Dog Brother number one, but everyone's saying Scythe um, when he's seeing karaoke. Uh, take on me, and then he's like murdering everyone. I thought that was awesome. Yeah, I was. I thought the sixth episode was probably for me. I think it was the best episode of the whole show. I, I'm I'm pretty partial to episode twelve too, but six I thought was really good. Um, they brought in uh, is it Riza Reza RZA? I don't know. I'm not a rap guy, but the director on that was the um. Uh, was the the rapper that has done like kung fu movies, and I thought he did an awesome job. I want to see him more. Like I'd love to see him come back and do some other Netflix stuff with Marvel. Um, but that was just it was it was just really enjoyable. It was kind of the most comic-y stuff. Um, we didn't say earlier. I love Madame Gao as a character. I just think yes. she's the coolest villain. I love. I love that she's constantly manipulating Danny, but yet I don't think she ever lies to him. Like she manipulates him with the truth. Does that make sense? Which well, is that so makes per- weird. Uh, yeah. I mean, when we get to the end of this podcast, I mean, you know, when we get through next week's spoiler, you know, all the way to the end of the series, like we could have a whole other podcast just about Madame Gal. 
and all of her potential. Yeah. Or what she was or what she is or whatever. Um, the other thing I really liked about the first six episodes is I just thought there's a lot of good stuff about greed and money and generosity and what it's like to use your money responsibly. I don't know. Some people may have thought it was a little, you know, like on the nose, but um, Big Al, the homeless guy, I thought that he was incredible because he was a foil for um, for Meacham. Like, I don't know if you noticed, but there's a line where Danny talks about like how he used to mess with his sandwich at company picnics. It stuck out to me because it really grossed me out. But like he talks about like Ward is messing with a sandwich when he's a kid. And then a scene later, Big Al brings him this Parmesan sandwich to give him something to eat. And to me, that was very clever writing to say just very subtly that Big Al has kind of this incredible heart and Ward has kind of this um, nastiness about him. And really, if you think about it, I don't think this is a spoiler for Seven or Beyond, but Ward has some of the same problems as Big Al too, right? Correct. And you see the difference between how people with money deal with that problem and how poor people deal with that problem and how Big Al continues to be generous and kind even though he's kind of a little crazy, whereas Ward is just so mean and nasty. And I just thought there was a lot of great stuff about the danger of wealth and how wealth can mess people up and make them not nice people. I thought there was just a lot of good stuff about that. And it's it's not always, it can feel very sermony to people, but I thought it was done pretty well. And so I liked that part of these six episodes. Yeah, they did tackle that uh, drug abuse stuff pretty well. I did want to bring up how awesome it is that Danny calls Jerry Hogarth J-Money. I thought that was the best. Oh, she's so awesome, too. She is. Oh, the the scenes. There's a, a spot in the press conference, I think like episode four, where he walks into the press conference and he sees her and he gives her like a, hey, mom, look at me kind of look. And Carrie Ann Moss just has this look of disdain and this like, it's the smallest little shake of the head ever. But she's like, Danny, you stop that right now. I am not putting exactly. on this crap. And I thought it was hilarious. Like, I was just falling out of the couch laughing at the, like, interaction between the two of them. All right. Did you guys have anything else you want to talk about? We'll try to talk about episodes 7 through 13 next week. But was there anything else you want to talk about with this? Um, The uh, episode 6, I was kind of bummed we didn't get to see um, the Bride of Night Spiders' real powers. But it makes sense the route they went, you know, with uh, with a smaller budget and less special effects, you know, that's probably the most... Well, that's probably not the most memorable, but I'm, I'm just glad they included her and with the whole Spider-Venom thing, you know, poking the... What do you want to call it? The metal things into Danny. For being uh, the clear favorite at the beginning of the fight to getting knocked out with... Uh, just one little weak kick. I thought that was pretty, uh, pretty weak. I like how the Bright Nine Spiders decorated her fighting room before Danny arrived. Kind of like a Bon Jovi movie too. He had a, or like a it, yeah, music yeah, video like from '86 or something. An '80s rock music video. I don't know if she just keeps like a go bag full of like fight room decorations for when Gal sends a little chalice, but. Um, 
you know, props to her decorating skills. The, see, all of that would have made a lot more sense to me if it was like backup gal's laundry mat right. from Daredevil season two. You know, you're in a room and you just happen to have a bunch of sheets drying. That would have made sense. But to me, it was just like, gal produced this room and she and Bright and Nine Spiders had decorated it. I like I like how Gal has this warehouse that they use as like the tournament and Danny literally walks from room to room fighting people. Yeah. I just thought that was kind of corny, but And then I like how Gal is just like, whatever, I don't care what we agreed to. I'm doing this. Yeah. Which which I mean also as a viewer makes me a little bit pissed because once you take this route of there are no rules, then it just kind of feels like they can bend it for any plot device. But it didn't make me, I mean, it didn't aggravate me because it didn't feel like they were taking an easy way out by it. It just felt like the next twist. Yeah, see, I felt it was kind of artificial. This like, oh, we have rules back in Kunlun and we're going to operate by these rules like civilized people. I don't know. It's kind of to me like the British complaining that the Americans didn't like line up in block formation to get shot at, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, no, you just have inferior tactics. And so Danny, I thought was pretty naive to think that's how that was all going to work out. But yeah. All right. Well, let's go ahead and jump into our mail. We actually got a lot more interactions from folks about a lot of different stuff. Um, we've not, recorded a podcast since we recorded our phase four um, speculation podcast. So I just wanted to hit at some ideas that some people sent us about stuff they wanted to see in phase four. That was um, the most feedback we've ever gotten because people just are interested in that. So I pulled some of this from Facebook, some of it from Twitter and the webpage. Um, so I'll just go through these real quick. Um, we try to read as many of these as possible. We don't read everything. Um, uh, from Facebook, uh, we have someone here. I think it's Rone Jankovsky, or it's Ronette. I'm not sure how they pronounce their name. Uh, but they were talking about how in Phase 4, they would like to see some more kid-friendly movies. Like, we've seen the move to R-rated comics. But I think they're suggesting, like, PG-rated uh, comics. And they were saying something like, um, Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur or Miss Marvel. Um, I've never heard anybody say that, but as a parent of kids, that would be awesome. I, I really enjoy a PG MCU movie. Without kids, does that sound interesting to you guys at all? Or I mean, if it's like Runaways, I mean, I feel like Runaways could be PG. We don't know what direction they're going with that yet. Yeah. But I mean, it's a TV, it's a TV series, but... Um, yeah, I mean, if it's good. But yeah, like a kid's power pack show, or if they ever got the Fantastic Four back, like, and they did like a Franklin Richards thing, I, I think that would be cool. I think it's just another place that they could go to even have like a, a Disney Junior Marvel show. That could be kind of weird, but kind of cool too, I think. Uh, we got a Facebook message from Chris Umana who uh, was saying that he would like to see Hercules in Phase 4. And we've seen a lot of comments along that way. 
Uh, Adam, do you want to see some of those Greek gods kind of get pulled into the MCU, or are you pretty happy that they've been left out? Uh, I'd say probably impartial at this point. You know, it's not like I know some people really, really, really like Marvel's version of Hercules, but I, I don't know. I'd rather see Nova than Hercules or or Vance Astro and Martin X and and Charlie Twenty Seven. But to each their own. I mean, it's not like I'd riot and say hey hercules i mean sure why not the more the merrier yeah i think i would enjoy a gods of olympus show excuse me olympus show or movie a little more where they brought in hercules and Ares. um i don't know i haven't seen a whole lot of solo hercules stuff but i, I don't mind them as kind of in the mix uh with the other avenger kind of people uh, Duncan John suggested that we should see a Spider-Man movie with the Defenders guest starring. Um, yeah, I mean, that's that's the dream, right? Spider-Man and Daredevil together would be awesome, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, that's, that's where, I mean, and I harp on it all the time. Like, the MCU will only truly feel like it's still connected if this kid in Queens and this guy in Hell's Kitchen do interact in some way, but it'll never happen. So, and it would be a, it would be a challenge tonally because Daredevil is just so different than Spider-Man as far as sort of the violence and the darkness and all that kind of stuff and the humor. But that's, I mean, that's true in the comics and it's never stopped those comics from being fun when the two of them got together, you know? So, well, uh, so so in the comics, if you think about it, Spider-Man's role, like where they interact and the role that he usually plays is to bring some lightheartedness to a character that I mean, Daredevil can easily just get in his own mind and get down and down and down and go in these rabbit holes. And like Spidey helps lift that up. So maybe Danny Rand can fill that you know, create that interaction that we enjoy of Spidey and Daredevil and and serve that role of keeping him from, you know, getting too far in his own head. So maybe yeah. with no Spidey, we have Iron Fist and he'll be able to keep things light. We also got a comment from a um, Paulo Bautista who suggested an A-Force movie would be really cool in Phase 4. Uh, I'm really on board with that. I think that would be cool. Uh, we're already getting Captain Marvel coming soon. We're going to have Medusa uh, on TV soon. Uh, we're going to have Nico Minoru coming on Runaways. Um, and, of course, She-Hulk would then have to come on as well, which would be really awesome. Um, so I would like that, and I think it would probably give Marvel some some good credibility with certain corners of the universe as far as uh, doing an all-female team. So I think that's enjoyable. I think they could do it even with the characters they have. If you throw in Black Widow and Scarlet Witch and uh, Captain Marvel and uh, maybe Gamora or Nebula, I, I think that could be really doable and be kind of interesting. So. Uh, we got a lot of comments from Michael T. Ford via Twitter and just personal correspondence. Um, we've really enjoyed all your stuff, Michael. I can't go through it all on the podcast, but thanks for 
sending it all in. Uh, he was asking, do you guys think you'd be up for a like Age of Apocalypse kind of event? Like a total universe redefining, reshaping thing? Does that sound interesting to you on the movie side? Uh, not really. I mean, hmm. Uh, yeah. Not really. I just want Guardians 2 and 3 and 4 and 5 <laughs> and 6. Probably 7. Maybe a Groot spinoff. I Adam, really sounds so boring. I What's really that? would like a movie. Oh, sorry. Oh, that plan sounds so boring. <laughs> I would like a movie that is like outside of the main um, like continuum. You know, like uh, I think it's really interesting that people are loving Legion and it's not within any sort of Marvel continuity. And people are loving Logan and it's not in any sort of Marvel continuity. And they're excited about the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. stuff that's coming up. Because it's sort of free from the continuity. And so if they did just a truly bizarro side universe, like just weird thing. Uh, One of them that I've always said I'd love would be uh, 1602. I don't know if you've seen this. It's a comic book about like, yeah, like middle, uh, not middle ages, but like Renaissance era Marvel heroes and like a pocket universe. That would be so fun, and it would be fun for them to not have to worry about lining up all the stuff with the continuity and just do something crazy, you know? All right, um, just a few more mail things here. Uh, Somebody on the website named Mark had uh, reminded us that Bucky has been in all three cat movies. The other day we said he'd been in two, and I think we forgot that he was in First Avenger. So... That's totally right. Yeah, he hasn't been all three caps. And he was saying that a Century movie would be really cool. Um, we don't have to go into that, but I, I totally agree with you. Century uh, is one of my favorites. Uh, I love a lot of what Paul Jenkins did back then. Um, love Waffle, as always, gave us lots of great comments. Uh, he suggested a She-Hulk movie, which I think would be cool as well. Um, and he also said that... Um, He talked about Iron Fist, and he said he felt like part of the problem is that they agreed to do Iron Fist before they really had a concept for him, and by the end, it was just, it just felt like they were required to do Iron Fist. Like, they signed a contract for these four characters, and even though they didn't have a take on the character, they had to make it. Does that feel fair at all to either of you, or? I mean, I think they wanted to do it. I mean, I I think they probably could have talked Netflix into anything, but they pursued this because they felt they really could do it well. And I think somewhere in the early days when they made the plans, when Drew Goddard crafted this whole idea, I think they probably had some idea of what they wanted this Iron Fist to be. It was just a matter of executing it. But that's my eternal optimism. Yeah. I think... I think it's possible that they wanted Iron Fist in like a Heroes for Hire or a Defenders a little bit more than they wanted an Iron Fist solo show. But they knew from the movies that it was a good recipe to give everybody their own show before you bring them together. So I'm not sure 
that they felt like they had to do an Iron Fist show, but I could see that they were maybe more excited about having Iron Fist as an option in the Defenders than they were about his solo show necessarily. Does that does that make sense? Yeah. Um, one more comment from Twitter. A uh, gentleman named Cedric House um, uh, was just commenting on how people... He felt like people were overreacting by acting like the MCU was doomed because they had one negative show on Netflix. It has been interesting that Marvel has had so much success with the MCU that the first time that anything they've done comes up negative on Rotten Tomatoes, you know, people are freaking out and like bailing water out of the boat, you know, or like, oh, it's all over. Um, you know, chill out. I think this is still going to be watched by a lot of people. I think the fans are not nearly as negative on it as the critics have been. And so uh, this is not going to kill Marvel. This is not the end of the Netflix shows. And frankly, I mean, I'll take your guys' opinion. This probably isn't the last season of Iron Fist either, right? Oh, it'll get a second season for sure. Totally. Even, like, Finn is... I mean, like, he's pretty much slipping up in all of his interviews and stuff. I mean, he posted a lot of stuff this week saying, I'll be filming more Iron Fist. And they wrapped Defenders. He wrapped Defenders this past week. Right. So, yeah, I mean, like, so either there's more team-ups planned or something. Like, he knows there's going to be more Iron Fist. Even and, on uh... Twitter, I saw somebody made a comment today about, like, uh, will we get a second season? And the Twitter account, the official one, said something like, Danny Rand will return. And maybe that means Defenders, but I think they really think they're getting a second season. So I saw um, Sasha Dawin. Is that how you say it? Yes. He was an uh, actor that's tweeting some stuff in... as well. Oh, sorry. But yeah, he's also an Iron Fist. Don't look him up if you want spoiled. But yeah. uh, he's been tweeting. <laughs> he's been tweeting a lot of uh, stuff as well. So I'm. That's probably what I'm most excited for for season two. By the way. So. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and we'll talk about that a lot next week because. Uh... He's, I think, really important to the future of that show. So, But yeah, I don't think... If you have not paid attention to this, Netflix gives almost everything two seasons. I mean, they've had some shows pretty widely panned that still got at least a second go. So, um, Particularly if, as Rhiannon said, they make these shows cheap. You know, um, the get down on Netflix was like $10 million per episode. And Rhiannon, what's the numbers on the Marvel shows? So the original budget was $200 million for the five series. And that was the four introductions and the Defenders. So assuming they episodes. distributed... yeah. Assuming they distribute that equally, it was forty million for the full season of Iron Fist. Which in today's TV terms and yeah, yeah, when you're looking at ten million an episode for the get down, like that's tight. Yeah. I think the Queen was similar on Netflix. I mean that was like eight or nine million an episode. So 
they're producing these at whatever, 3.2 or 3.5. I can't do the math off the top of my head, but it's crazy. So it would be 769000 per episode. If I did the math right, I could have done that completely wrong as well. Yeah. Yeah, that's... One of us really, is really peanuts. wrong. <laughs> What'd you sell? 10, 10 million for the season, right? 40 million for no, the season. No, 20 million. 20 million. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, because... Uh, yeah. So 1.4 million then. Per episode. Say. Yeah, I thought you said it was 40 per, for the season. If it was 40, it's 3.07, but... Yeah. Yeah, All of you at home can use the calculator. You can figure it out. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, it's not see, nearly I, as much as they handed Boz Lerman. So. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, it comes to around $3 million per episode. So that seems like a lot of money, but in modern TV, like that's for a show like this. You know, when you start saying, why didn't we see a dragon? Look at Game of Thrones budgets. Yeah. for one episode and that's what a dragon costs i mean well, for now that we matter, know why the... go ahead adam i'm sorry no i was gonna say now we don't know now we know why the actors weren't acting their a game <laughs> yeah i was <laughs> I saying mean, that explains it right there when you look at um big bang theory i think they're up to like those actors make a million dollars an episode so every episode of the big bang theory costs at least six million dollars to make you know, so it's crazy that you would pay twice as much for that show as Iron F- I mean, it makes sense given the ratings, but still, like, that gives you perspective on all that kind of stuff. And I just looked it up. Like, Game of Thrones, actually, it's around... Now, they say the sixth season budget was around $10 million per episode. Yeah. But most of the seasons were from 6 to $8 million. So, and it's more, I mean, and, and even when you look at Daredevil, like Vincent D'Onofrio, he wanted to be Kingpin. So he gave them like a discount on what his normal pay would be to be in a series like that. He, he, he said he would take less than he normally would so that he could be in it. So. And that's definitely been a good call for his career. Yeah, yeah. But he was a fan of the character, so he did it. And yeah, I mean, I haven't heard anybody telling that story in Iron Fist that, you know, there weren't many characters in that for people to have grown up fans with and, you know, take a hit. Yeah. All right. Maybe, maybe Pelfrey always wanted to be Ward. (laughs) Yes. Who wouldn't want to be a Ward? He grew up as a child dreaming of being Ward Meacham. So. You guys have anything else? I'm sorry, Adam. I've talked over you like six times this episode. I don't know what's going on. I was just no. I I was just saying, if only, if only. I mean, who doesn't aspire to be Ward Meacham? I mean, that's who I want to be when I grow up. (laughs) All right. Um, right. I think that does it. Um, You guys have anything else, or go ahead and tell people where they can find you on the internet and all that kind of stuff, and we'll be done. All right, you can find me on the Twitter as Shot of Patron. I'm also on Twitter at Adam Barnhart. And I'm on Twitter as at Caleb A. Borchers. And 
I'm other places, but that's the only place I want to talk to you about Marvel. So, uh, <laughs> we're uh, really <laughs> thankful for you guys. Yeah, I'm a secretive guy, so um, we really love you guys listening. We really appreciate your support, um, and uh, thanks for dealing with us last week with kind of an unusual schedule. Uh, if you will like us on like um, SoundCloud, you can give us a like. You can go to iTunes, and it really helps if you give reviews and give us lots of stars so that people can find us on iTunes. Um, the Facebook page, Twitter, you can hashtag MCUXPod. That's M-C-U-E-X-P-O-D. Um, all those ways are ways you can interact with us. We like doing mail and talking about the stuff you guys want to talk about. So uh, feel free to contact us that way, and we'll stay in touch with you. Uh, until next week, when we look at Iron Fist episodes 7 through 13, we'll sign off and we'll see you later. Bye.